Hi, my friends who listen to Future Primitive. Here we are once again, all together. And today we're with Jay DeFreshu. Jay DeFreshu, JD, PhD, worked for many years as an attorney before undertaking doctoral studies at the Institute of Transpersonal Psychology, now Sophia University, where he currently teaches transpersonal research, ethics, and dissertation research. He divides his time between the mountains of Montana and New York City, although now he spends most of his time in Montana, Dufreshu, works primarily as a mediator and consultant in conflict resolution. He is active in the international holotropic breathworks community, emerging from the work of Stanislav and Christina Groff. And I've been concentrating on his book, Moving Through Grief, Reconnecting with nature. I must say, a really, really beautiful book that uh, has moved me and uh, opened up pathways in my heart and mind. Jay, thank you for being with us. And thank I, you. I'd like to open by asking you to tell us how you went from lawyer to transpersonal psychologist and how these things mesh together. Yes, thank you. Well, I was uh, in my mid-30s, which is about 20 years ago now, and working very hard in uh, law work in Silicon Valley. And I had what uh, a series of experiences um, that... Dan and Christina Groff would have called spiritual emergency, where I just uh, began to feel very connected to spiritual energies, um, energies from from the universe, from from plants and animals and other people, and uh, had one most intense white light experience that just let me know uh, within a, you know a few minutes that there is much more to the universe um, and just a, a source of healing and love that I think permeates the universe that really just changed everything for me, um, you know, really in, in a matter of minutes, but then over probably a few months as well. So I kind of needed to find something to carry that forward. You know, to make sense of it for one thing, and then so that 
it would take me wherever it might lead me, and I found the Institute of Transpersonal Psychology in Palo Alto, California. I was then living in San Jose, and so uh, it was an experiential program, um, and I wasn't so much seeking more education as just seeking a container for what was what was moving through me, and it was a, a wonderful program. And then through the through the course of that, uh, you know, learning meditation and yoga and and so many of the modalities that came to the United States in the '60s and '70s, I just began to feel more and more connected to nature, and then began to notice that when I felt connected to nature. I, I would experience grief and uh, often just weep, um, and then that became the focus of, of research, and that ultimately led to this particular book. So tell us, if you will, what the word nature means to you. When you say nature, what flows out of your imagination and your heart? That's a wonderful question. You know, right now I'm standing in a, in a, uh, in a, a backyard with trees and uh, grass and, and just uh, that which uh, grows from the, from the earth, that, that which the earth produces, and um, the, the energy of the life force energy that that feels behind it. So, you know, everything, everything that is on, on the planet, everything that is in, uh, in the world, you know, and there's a, a little piece in, in the book where I, I noticed that some people observe that all of civilization could be considered nature as well, because it all comes out of, you know, what's here. And I, I wouldn't say I disagree with that, but the, the rhythms of nature, the rhythms of animals, the rhythms of the, the rivers and the oceans and the the trees, it just feel uh, restorative to me. And uh, and I, I guess those those rhythms would be uh, what I would experience as nature. This wonderful man I introduced, I interviewed once, uh, said he had uh, extensive heart surgery. And then after that, he went and laid on the hill every night because he knew he had to reconnect his heart with the rhythms of nature. Yeah, that makes sense to me. Yeah, yeah. Well, you wrote, wrote a beautiful sentence, many beautiful, but this one, awareness being in nature, you might have if you're lucky, uh, an awareness of suffering mixed with great gratitude for the beauty of life. Would you? Yes, thank you. <laughs> it's 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 perfect for me anyway. So, would you describe an experience that you've had where suffering and awe? were braided together when you were in nature? You know, there's one, I mean, so, so many of them, but once I was uh, walking many years ago after we had 
only been in Montana a few years uh, in, in woods in the mountains above where I lived, and I rounded a bend, and there was a, a deer carcass, uh, fairly fresh, and um, ravens just eating from the carcass. And so I, it just hit me viscerally. You know, and oddly enough, I'll say it, it was beautiful uh, and awe-inspiring, and I was, you know, viscerally aware, you know, that this animal had uh, been alive not that long ago and then had been killed, I assume, by a mountain lion, uh, you know, and, and and had fed the mountain lion, and now the, the birds were eating from it, so just a... Uh, you know, not not so much a head trip, but just a visceral sense of uh, the, the temporary nature of life, you know, on the planet, and that, uh, you know, things happen, things that are irreversible, um, and that, you know, then, then life, life goes on. Mm-hmm. Well, there is this... Uh so much suffering and so much suffering we inflict on each other comes from the fact that we so yearn for belonging. And so yeah. we, be, we, we might belong to small things or destructive things, but how can we gain regain the awareness that we belong so deeply in the earth and with the earth. Yeah, that, that's beautifully said. I mean, really the, the beginning two chapters of my book, I, I, I talk about, you know, the sort of the period that I went through and that I think some people go through of, of beginning to realize how we tend to live in our heads or, you know, even in the television sets and, you know, reality is that which comes from the, the media or comes from other people having their, uh, you know, describing their needs and their wants and their consumerism. And, you know, without without going down a road of criticizing that, it all, all just is. But I became aware of just a deep, a deep suffering in that of, of just the endless, endless longing. You know, and I agree with you. I, I, I think most of us are, are doing the best we can and, you know, are trying to, fit in within our communities and families and have the best work we can and uh, be with our friends. And, and, and yet there's so much disconnection and so much, you know, particularly now without going into the politics, just, just so much suffering, so much sense of, so much is lost. And so for me, that, that period of becoming aware of that, those levels of suffering and what was lost brought forth grief. And then, you know, just following that grief brought me more into contact with nature. My family moved to, to Montana. I, I spent a lot of time with horses and animals and, and walking in the woods and, you know, just, just beginning to feel, feel those, those rhythms again. Um, and I, you know, even with, with the ecological crisis and the denial about climate change, I, I remain hopeful because I, I think, uh, I hope that eventually, you know, people will, will realize, um, you know, what, what we're losing 
and find ways to, to actually feel that. And then I, I, uh, my own experience is that that grief and feeling can be trans transformational. Exactly. I wonder, does does all grief come from a sense of loss? When we feel so full, like uh, I'm thinking about a time where I was listening to a Mahler symphony being um, being played in at the San Francisco um, Opera, and I cried all through that Mahler symphony. and And you're talking about that now, pointing that out that. How amazing when uh, when we touch uh, when we touch and feel and we're in such a level of uh, such a level of beauty and creativity and and human expression or cosmic expression we cry. It's um, it's interesting to me that um, we go, we might go into nature, 
and there we feel we feel an immense sense of belonging and it's when we feel that we belong then then we can express our grief maybe that's the yeah. same with the eclipse part of it was that it was an expanded sense of belonging that allowed the grief to come up. You know, you know very much for me. And I, I was talking with a few other people about that, and it, it's you know, it's the it's the moon and the sun. You know, it's, it's not it's not it's not politics. It's not quibbling. It's not arguing. It's not um, <laughs> you know, it's it's the moon and the sun, and it's bigger than all of us. And uh, you know, the, there's been life on this planet for billions of years, and and gods and goddesses willing, they'll be alive for another billion years. And, and, and you know, it's, uh, you know, I, I belong here and I'm part of all this. And yet my form right now is, is here only for a brief time. I mean, it really, it really does, uh, you know, put, put things in, in perspective in a, in a way that leaves me very, very full. You are a poet. <laughs> I was warned you are a poet. <laughs> yes. So uh, let's go to the opposite extreme, which um, I wrote down, loss of body, abstraction. I think a lot about abstraction and how the world, the world's thoughts have become so abstract in many ways. Would you talk to us about that? is always abstract? No, I don't. I think sometimes, well, let me, let me place it in the context of integrating uh, non-ordinary state experiences. You know, I've, I've done a lot of breath work and some other, other work to, uh, you know, bring forward the things that are in the deep recesses of the, of the psyche. And, and sometimes I think that thinking um, allows a focus on what's coming in from different levels that then uh, allows a deeper integration, a deeper processing, a refinement that that is really valuable for me. And I think, uh, you know, and it allows us to communicate with others and learn from each other. So I don't know that it, it, it is always abstract, but I, I do know that I've spent a lot of my life in a, in a level that's uh, dominated by 
mind or the head. And, and I, I, at some point, you know, and now we're back to Greece, but I, at some point I realized I'm missing it. You know, I, I'm missing, I'm missing living on the planet, you know, yeah. from, from, from thinking, you know, and I, I resonate with, with your work and, you know, uh, the, the primitive and, and just, uh, you know, I, I would realize, my gosh, all my ancestors for all these thousands of years have, have been actually living here. And, you know, I'm driving on freeways and going and typing up computers and, and maybe I'm going to miss it, you know. <laughs> I, just, I, I just, you know, I just, you know, and then that brought forth the tour of the because, gosh, what, a, what an opportunity. And you'd hate to, you know, you'd hate to miss it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, of course. And and people have been thinking things for a long time and and making them happen. Uh, you say in your book, I I don't have the exact words here. Oh, reality is a construct of consciousness. Oh, I'd love to hear about that. Well, thank you. Yeah, you, you know, I, I for, for me personally, I realized how much. Um, you know, obviously, spiritual masters way way more gifted than me have been saying this for thousands of years. But but how how easy it is to construct uh, a reality in sort of a mental realm, and then to be filtering all experience through that. And, and you know, because I talk a lot about nature, I talked with a, a number of people about that are their experiences in nature, um, and then you know, noticed the way nature is used in, in advertising and marketing, and I, I began to realize that for many of us, even the experience of nature is a is a mental construct, you know, where, you know, I mean, I'm going to go, I'm going to buy a sports utility car because it looks good in nature, you know, and, and the difference between that experience and what might be in that, and, you know, sitting in a river and having your hands <laughs> you know, it's To ask you, uh, you um, you help people. You consult with people about conflict resolution and mediation and so on. Can you pinpoint a moment where often people come together, a feeling where does? Where does the resistance break most often when you bring humans together that are in conflict? Yeah, thank you for asking that. You know, I, I think it, it often has something to do with with grief. I mean, what you know, when I explain yeah. to people the type of mediation I do, people often think that I'm, uh, you know, trying to get people to agree with each other, and you know, I'm not trying to do that. What I'm trying to do is meet people where they are really try to fully understand where they're coming from and what their experience is and create a, a safe space for them to uh, share, you know, what is happening for them. And, you know, honestly, I think to some extent it's energetic. I don't try to do anything except to sort of clear the space 
hold the space, and then I find that if people feel safe enough to uh, really feel what what is the origin of why they're in the, the conflictual situation, very often they cry. I mean, I, I, I was doing a mediation last Friday, and a woman began to cry, and she was embarrassed, and I said, hey, everybody cries, including most of the guys, you know, because you get to a place where you feel... Uh, you know, you're feeling into what's really the source of it, you know, you know, and coming back to abstraction and mental construct, mm-hmm. you know, we can get focused on, well, the source of this is that this insurance company won't pay for my next surgery, you know, and, and focus on that and loop around in that. And, you know, if you're able to feel the space of, you know, I, I'm scared, I'm in pain, I'm not sure what's going to happen next. You know, if, if people get to the basics of uh, compassion for each other and understanding right. each other, you know, the, the the issues could still be there, but, but things shift energetically, and then I, I find that solutions can be crafted. So, reviewing things from your text, I want to ask you, what is the fundamental connection between healing deep pain and connecting with nature, in your view? Well, uh, you know, I, I, I spoke with many people who have found that when they were suffering, particularly loss of loved ones, that there was nothing that provided as much solace as, as being with nature. There was one woman who had lost her husband suddenly to a heart issue, and, and she said that um, what she would do is she would uh, find a flower and, and merge into it and then find that um, just the pain seemed to, to merge with, with the flower and she could tolerate it. And many, many people with stories like that, and I, you know, I... I I would imagine people can explain it differently, but I, I, for me, the understanding is is just a sense of the the vibrations of nature, the the rhythms of nature, and I, I think just the knowledge that uh, nature continues. Um, you know, we we cut down some trees, and then trees can grow again. You yeah. know, uh, and and just that 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 sense of of continuity and. The sense of belonging, I think, uh, you know, and, and people who have, have shared that kind of grief in their connection to nature have said things like, um, you know, I, uh, I, I'm not alone, you know, millions of, of people before me and, you know, even animals uh, before us have, have lost, have, you know, loved and mated and had children and, and then lost, and I'm, I'm part of whatever this miracle is that's happening on the planet, I'm not just alone and having lost something. Right, right. Tell us uh, about your holotropic breathwork work and uh, maybe the relationship to that work with what we call sacred I, uh, it's, it's hard really to explain to, to many people, but it, it, what I've got 
gotten from breathwork over many years is the restoration of, of a sense of the sacred. And it, it has felt like uh, a lot of it's just clearing away of beliefs that really weren't completely true, clearing away of uh, needs that I didn't really have, of wounds that were processed. And then um, as more and more things cleared away, you know, and not just through breath work, but working with non-ordinary states through through ceremony or uh, any kind of many kinds of traditions. Just the the letting go, uh, the just the, the letting go, letting go, letting go until what seems to be left is a sense of presence and awareness and gratitude and connection with everything that that's there, such that. Uh, you know, watching the eclipse is sacred, and you know there have even been times when I've seen a piece of trash on the on the street, and that feels sacred. You know, and, and I don't know if you remember the film American Beauty, but there's a beautiful scene where there's a, yeah. a piece of paper flying around uh, in a little uh, whirlwind in a courtyard or something, yes. and just noticing. Yeah, I, I don't even know how to explain it. It's just just existence, you know, that this is here now and this is moving and it won't be here later. And, uh, yeah. And just being with it. Yeah, the, the preciousness and fragility and tenderness of yeah. life. So let's say, I mean... I personally have experienced it, the place where all you have left is to feel the gratitude of being alive or else one would die. Uh, To really become that naked where, where there's... There's so much grief and pain that that really the only thing that works is to connect with the nakedness of just having been offered life itself. Mm-hmm. Um, how do you how do you try to 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 pass on that gift to people who have lost everything if they're not connecting with it? I think that, I mean, the only thing that I know is to, uh, to ask uh, well, just to be present, to sit, sit quietly, to not need anything other than to offer my presence to other people, to invite them to share what it's like to be them, um, and to, to be with that fully without, without need and uh, you know, and, and working with people to, to my version of prayer, which is to, uh, mm-hmm. to, to say, please help me get out of my own way so that I can be present for this other person. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, then, then just to surrender into, uh, into whatever's there. But, yeah, I, I, you know, and I do feel really grateful to have been... Uh, born when I was born and sort of at the tail end of the baby boom, but, you know, there there were so many tools that, that came into uh, the Western world, you know, the whole cultural 
culture didn't change as quick as some of us would have hoped, but but if you're looking, there are, are, are tools to to find, and I, yeah. you know, I'm very grateful for for all that I've experienced. Yes, yes, me too. So, in your view, are tenderness and compassion related? intrigued and uh, gladdened by this sentence in your book, opening ourselves to nature, finding the sacred in nature, just might lead to a transformation that will make it difficult for us to objectify and kill each other. Could you expand on that? realize 
I'm looking at your website and uh, and the part about astrology. And so I I'd like to hear from the astrologer and also soon you're going to give a workshop about the archetypal Saturn and uh, I find that intriguing. based on 
that which uh, really, really does endure uh, for oneself and, and one's community. So, in your book, you mentioned that uh, we might be in an eco-spiritual crisis. So, do you think that um, including the archetypal archetypal astrology might help us in to integrate to integrate eco spiritually. Absolutely. I think that's that's well put. I think integration is a is a is a beautiful way to describe that. You know, like I was saying with, with the eclipse, you know, the planets have been there, these archetypes have developed over over eons, and um, if we can understand, you know, the ways, understand what's happening now ecologically, you know, through some of these archetypes, then we might find, you know, sources of renewal, um, sources of understanding, and, and uh, you know, again, just as we're saying with the eclipse, to, to, to feel this is this is bigger than me, you know, this is even bigger than this, this uh, crisis we're having for a few hundred or even two thousand years. This is, these are, these are energies of the universe, um, part of creation. And then uh, I, I, I would hold the hope that, that then there are possibilities for increased awareness and uh, coming together of, of more and more people. Um, you know, I am fortunate the last several years to have met a number of people from different countries through the holotropic breathwork work and, and, you know, just to get viscerally that it is possible for uh, people from different backgrounds to, uh, you know, to, to feel the sacred and, and to, to start doing work little by little to, uh, to help with the transformation as possible. Beautiful. Beautiful. Well, coming back from uh, from the planets, I <laughs> I think that perhaps we'll. I'd like to bring this conversation around instead of doing this at the beginning by you telling us about the humble rain that experience with the humble rain of this planet, the way you start your book. Oh, thank you so much. Yes, that, that is how uh, so much started for me. Well, I was uh, probably about a little bit over 20 years ago, I was, uh, you know, immersed in a hectic life with young children and work and running around, and I had, uh, made a commitment to myself to get up very early in the morning and meditate, and I was in a a room that we converted from a garage, sitting on a cushion and uh, trying to follow my breath and noticing the chatter in, in my head. And then uh, when I would be able to release the chatter and be present, I heard rain on the roof mm-hmm. and I could feel the rain in my body, just the vibrations of you know, hundreds of raindrops felt like they were coming through my body, and then I just started to weep. And um, 
anything I thought about. I wasn't thinking, oh, it's rain, I'm going to cry. It was just something that happened in my body. And then what was so important to me is that I, I noticed that if I started to, to think again, you know, started to worry about what happened next or even to reflect on the experience, the weeping stopped. And then I went back to the breath and back to the release, and I was back with the rain again and just just uh, wept. And it was it was a mixture of so many things. It was the beauty of the rain. It was the connection with the rain. It was awareness that I'd spent most of my life not even knowing that kind of connection was possible. And then, you, you know, that that one experience was what, what I followed, uh, you know, back to nature, into changes that uh, I think created a better life for me and my family and, and a different way to contribute to the world. So thank you for that. I, that's, yeah. Uh, yeah. I love sharing that story. And this is where the seed of this beautiful book was planted, moving through, moving through grief, reconnecting with nature. Thank you, Jay. That was a really beautiful meeting Thank with you. you. Yes. Thank you so much, Joanna. Yeah. Great pleasure to be with you. You too. Thank you.